0: Welcome to The Hot Seat, a Sheer Therapy Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Pam, and I'll be joining you every week alongside my girls, Denise and Cousin Dan. Every episode, we'll be having real conversations, including the good, the bad, and yes, even the ugly. Although we are three women in different stages of our lives, one single, one married, and one divorced. We can still share our experiences together with love, faith, and a glass of wine in hand, of course. We know you're going to enjoy listening in and riding along this journey we call life with us, together. Listen in as we talk, as we get real, and as we get raw. Here we are, Sheer Therapy.
1: Okay, so welcome back to the Hot Seat, a Sheer Therapy podcast. I'm Pam and I am here with the lovely ladies, Denise and Danielle, cousin Dan. And today we are actually joined with the beautiful and wonderful soul, Shanae ingleton smith uh we know her from back in the day she doesn't know us from back in the day but <laughs> we know her um she did some really cool events what women want um i remember going i remember my ticket to this day and like going to that like there was like a table with some books out on it um but she's co-founder of kensington gray which is an agency with a um social media and content creators um And she's just like a great influence in the city. Honestly, she's ray of sunshine. And we're just going to talk today about growing up biracial. And it's a great convo. And I just think there's so much everyone can take from it. Um, So, I mean, to give a little background, I myself, Pam, I am biracial. And, you know, it comes with some stuff. Like it comes with some stuff. Um, it's not the easiest. I find I'm born 1983. So at that point, you know, it wasn't something that was as glamorous, so to say. Um, and then we have Danielle here who nobody ever knows, but she is also biracial. <laughs> uh, she has a very thick accent. Uh, thick accented. I-, I can never speak properly guys, but her father is from I have a
2: Trini dad. I have a Trini dad.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and you know it when he opens his mouth, um, they call him red boned. <laughs> he-, he had a big flow <laughs> back in the day when he had hair and, uh, yeah, that is Danielle's dad. And, uh, there's so, so many different, uh, ways to look at the struggle within it because, I struggled visually from being biracial and like her struggles could have been different because nobody identified her as biracial. And then we have Denise's experience where everybody thinks she's biracial and she's like, just, no, I'm black. That's it. I'm black. (laughs) So
3: it's like, I've gone through, I get it. I've gone through the struggle and it's like, I, I, I I don't even, I don't have, I'm not biracial, (laughs) but I've, I've been, I've experienced the struggle. (laughs) Yeah. So I kind of get it.
1: Yeah. So and then, Sinead, like, honestly, if you just want to tell the listeners to a little bit about yourself and how we connected even in this conversation.
4: Yeah, so um, so my name is Sinead and Pam, you did a great job of um, kind of explaining my background. So I co-founded a, an influencer marketing agency um, that is intentionally diverse. Um, we represent uh, 15 Black female influencers and uh, we have a, um, a larger network of about 250 um, influencers of color that we work with. And, um, you know... I've always been sort of active on social media for years, even before social media and Instagram was a thing. And uh, whenever, you know, topics like social justice, social justice issues come up, um, I've always, you know, used my platform to try to open up the conversation, like, you know, whether it be. You know, racism, or when you know the social justice movement movement was really starting to pick up with like Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown, and and you know the um, the Black Lives Matter movement um, that we know today, as it was starting to pick up stream uh, steam. I've always tried to like you know be a part of the conversation. So particularly in the last year. Um, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, just, you know, being Black, the Black experience, the biracial experience. So my, um, my, I guess, position or my, where I stand, or not where I stand, but the, the place that I'm coming from with the being biracial issue is that I only know how to be a Black woman. I've always, you know, I um, I identify as a Black woman. I look like a Black woman. I was raised by two Black parents in a Black family. Um, I married my husband, um, who is, uh, was born in Ireland, and he is a white man. And our daughter is biracial, and she, you know, has she looks biracial. Um, she has, you know, lighter hair and and um, lighter skin. And um, as soon as I knew that we were going to be starting a family, it was just really important to me first to have conversations with my friends that were biracial because I have friends that are biracial, but I've always come from the position of like of like the one drop rule. Like if you have one drop of black and you you're black. So just um, say that I've it. just never really. I mean, we've talked about, you know, my friends being biracial and that's been a, like, it's like, we, we didn't like ignore the fact that they were biracial, but the, we were always just like, you're one of us, like we're, we're all one. So, um, that, um, has been you know, my experience. Um, but now that I'm raising a biracial daughter, I just wanted to make sure that I was doing right by her. I wanted to make sure that I was having the right conversations with her. And I also wanted to make sure that I didn't do anything or repeat um, anything that is problematic. Cause um, in, since, as soon as I was pregnant, I started having conversations with my friends that were biracial and they talked to me about different experiences and talked to me about, you know, not feeling like they fit into one group or another. They talked to me, they shared um, things that their parents did that they felt um, made things difficult for them. Like, for example, not discussing really race at all, or, um, or maybe focusing too much on race. Um, And then there's also, just like as a Black woman, there are also things that um, I've witnessed myself um, when it comes to Um, women that are biracial and men that are biracial and, um, you know, light skin privilege and proximity to whiteness. And I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't perpetuating any of the the problematic um, issues in that sphere with her. So, so yeah, so it was just really important for me to have a conversation. And and then Pam and I, we um, started talking in the DMs because I one day decided that I would just ask Uh, my audience ask my community like hey like what are your thoughts on being biracial how do you identify people that are biracial Um, are you biracial and if you are um, tell me a little bit about your experience and so that's kind of how we arrived at where we're at today
3: so like that's a really that's a really awesome story and how like you've used your platform you know way before the whole BL movement even you know became mainstream you've been doing this way back so I know like You know, not a lot of people think, you know, when you're dating, you're dating for love, you know, you're dating to connect. But did you have to in the like, when did what point when you were dating or when you got married, did you have to or even if you had to educate your husband, your now husband on like, you know, you never really think about it. Hey, but, you know, we're going to have a biracial child like I need to educate you on what it is to be a black person. Did you have to educate him and like inform him so that he's better equipped to educate your daughter, you, the both of you guys' daughter?
4: Yeah. So, um, well, race was a topic in our relationship from the very beginning and I was always like, you're dating a black girl. Like, don't touch my hair. Don't do this. Like I was like very, from the very beginning. And, and so Sean, he had never ever dated a black woman before. Um, He'd never dated outside of his race before we actually met on eHarmony.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And oh, uh, well,
2: I got to pick your yeah. brain outside of this convo. About
4: <laughs> I know. And this is like, pre like hinge, pre tinder, pre pre all of those apps. (laughs) But pre-everything. Um I think like e Harmony was the only thing back then mm-hmm. um and yeah I ended up signing up after I was home like one weekend and like every I felt like every it was one of those like free communication weekends like if you sign up this weekend like you can communicate with people for free and like literally every commercial break I think I was watching CNN was like I mean e- army commercial I was like you know what shoot
2: I'm, I'm like, gonna sign up right now <laughs> let me
4: sign up let me, like fill out this like I have I have time today let me fill out the, um, the survey and whatever. And, and he was actually one of the first people that I was matched with. And um, we had like, we were in similar careers and um, we had similar interests and like, we kind of just like hit it off right away. Um, and we didn't talk about like race, like right off the bat. Like I, I wasn't like, okay, so you're on a date with a right. Yeah. It wasn't like that, <laughs> but you know, when I would say a few dates in, I started, we you know I talked about the fact that, you know, I was a black woman and there was just it was more about, okay, don't touch my hair at the time I, like I had wore a weave. So I had like hair extensions. I was like, so this, this is this right here, this is my real hair, like this underneath here. There, those are clip ins. Like I don't, don't know if you
3: remember that. the episode of Girlfriends. Do you <laughs> do you remember the episode of Girlfriends where um she's dating the white guy? Uh,
4: Oh, I feel oh, like yes. I remember vaguely. Yes, 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 I don't yes. I haven't watched all the episodes yeah. of it, maybe I didn't see that. But yeah, maybe that's even where I got it from. I was just like, yes. <laughs> my, hair, my hair.
2: Um now was this because this was more of something you felt you needed to address? Like in his mind, was this something that he didn't even, he wouldn't have think to even think about?
4: Yeah. So in his mind, it was something that he would have not never have thought to think about. He was like, Oh, okay. Cute. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was, it wasn't, he wasn't aware of that at all. Like, so he grew up in Collingwood, which is like a smaller town north of Toronto. And um, he had only been really living in Toronto at the time, probably after yeah, about like seven, eight years in the city. Um and he was familiar, obviously, with Black culture, you know, through music and stuff like that, because, you know, he was a huge, you know, longtime, like, hip-hop fan and stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, his social circle, the people who he worked with um, and who he grew up with, they were predominantly white. Um, so it was, like, sort of, like, a new thing for him. And it was even also new for me. Like, I've always felt comfortable, like, moving in and out of Black and white spaces, having grown up in Calgary, where... Um, it's predominantly white, but, you know, living in Toronto, the majority of my social circle, what social circles were Black slash very multicultural. So people, I didn't have to have these conversations with people. They kind of just got it. But with him, um, I knew that, like, you know, I just wanted to make sure, like, he knew that kind of stuff. And so just going back to that time, it was 2010, where obviously racism existed and, and, you know, discrimination was definitely like apparent, but the types of conversations, um, and, um, race and, um, and social justice was not dominating the news cycle in the same way. It was like a couple of years after Obama had been inaugurated. Um, it was like, we were all about hope and like the future and like, oh my gosh, like we have a black president in the United States. And like, it just seemed like we were just on such a good path and like, you know, we're all one. Like it was, so that was sort of like the, the, that era. Mm -hmm. So definitely I talked about, you know, the fact that I was black. Um, I would say a few months into us, and you know, race, we would, you know, we, I would just, you know, we would say like, we talk about race and things like that. Um, racism wasn't like an everyday conversation, like the way it is now. Um, but I would say a few months into, so we moved in with each other, like, I think after dating for about six months. And um, I think shortly after we moved in with each other, like we were, you know, we were getting serious and things were like going really w- well. And um, I pointed out the fact that, you know, if we get married, and if we have children, you know, our daughter will be black, like she will be considered black. And that was the first time that we had that conversation. And I could see in his eyes, like him computing, like that he never really thought about that. Like he'd never really thought like, oh, my gosh, yeah, she will be black. And I just saw him think about it for like a few minutes and then or not even a few minutes, but just for a few moments. And, and then he was like, OK, yeah, like that's fine. So that, I would say that was like the first two years of our relationship, the race talks and racism talks, like they were fairly surface and it was like, you're not racist as like, I would never obviously be with somebody who was racist. The terms like anti-racism and, and mm-hmm. um, things like that were not on anyone's radars. I don't even know if those, that the term really existed then, but then when we started to really, really talk about um, race and racism was um, when Trayvon Martin was murdered. I think that was like around 2012. Mm-hmm. And um and so I, you know, obviously took to social media and I talked about it. I posted about it. I still, those, those posts are still up and he did too. He spoke out about it. He used his platform to sort of educate people. But I feel like back then um, the norm was passivism. It wasn't activism. So it was like, okay, I posted on social media. I, you know, I, I, drew a line in the sand and let people know that I'm not down with what happened with Trayvon Martin. Um, And that's basically it. Like have, you know, we, we might might share a few things in our stories, but there wasn't like nobody was doing anything. Like, And then, you know, there were a few, um, I think that that's when people started to do marches. I think when um, uh, the guy who killed him, George Zimmerman, when he was acquitted um, that's when people started to like, the protests initially started, um, but it was still like that's happening in the U.S., in Canada. It's different.
2: Um, We like to think that we're more liberal over here for some reason.
3: Yeah. Like it's low key. Yeah. You know what, though? I find through my experience, obviously I'm not biracial but it's funny how you mentioned like you go back to the obama years and you know we were all like united as one okay we have a black president this is amazing but then to make the situation even more complicated i noticed even through his presidential years there was racism or discrimination within the community like shadism you're not black enough mm-hmm. you, you yes. don't do this you don't need that you don't practice this type of culture so now in addition to having racism from other people you're now getting discriminated against within your own community in terms of shadism and what qualifies you to be black enough Mm -hmm. yeah so it's like I, I may be moving ahead too quickly but you have like you have a daughter and she's biracial and it's like it's the same situation I guess Pam you've dealt with it and I like we went to high school together and it's like they'll always use these kind of contexts. Oh, if there's a race war and what happens, which side do you choose? Who are you? Or you're not black enough and you're not. And I even experienced it, I guess, with the texture of my hair. You're not black enough. You can't hang with us, but you're still you're you got that one drop. You're still black. So you can't be with us. So it's like we're not we're not directly like, you know, Okay, we're not racist or nobody's racist, but those are the obvious signs. But how do you then deal with the whole shadism, shadism like issues that go on? And in terms of like, how will it affect your daughter? Like, how would how do you prepare her for that?
1: And I just to to add to that, too, like I remember back history, too, on me, like I went to uh, junior middle school and me and my sister combined, there were six black people. And it's funny because like those were the worst years. Like I was called Fern Gully every time there was a dance, like the boys would choose the pretty straight brunette girls to dance with. And like little Fern Gully was at the sidelines. Um, There was no flat irons back then. There was nothing to hide the fact that like this was my hair. And it was it's it's funny when you even think back, because it's almost like the six of us, that were black stood, stood together so strong because it was like, yo, this is all we got. But again, like, then I went to, I I left halfway through grade seven and went to Mrs. Saugover school where I was like, Whoa, culture. And we had these things called prime time. And it's like the class you went to before class started. And there was this girl Camille. So I went, had my hair in a bun, I'm not used to all this. And she says to me before, like, even like, Hey, what's your name? She says, yo, are you black? I'm like, yeah, my dad is. And she's like, okay, you can hang with us then. And I was like, like, wow, somebody like thinks it's cool that I got a black dad. Okay, cool. But then also thinking like, I could only hang with you because I'm black. Like, it was just such a weird moment, but there was always, it was a click of four of us. And I was the biracial one. Another girl was very light skinned. Um, And then there was a girl who was like somewhere in the middle. And then Camille was dark skinned. And any time somebody asked the other two, are you mixed? She would step in front. No, they're black. Because it was almost like this shadism scale where like, no, I'm not going to be the only odd man out. I'm going to stand up. We're all black. And then in high school. I got bullied so bad because I was the light skinned girl and like, oh, and I was dating a guy who was one year older who was black and oh, this light skinned girl is now trying to come and take the black guys. And I was like, oh, my gosh, first I'm like all white standing out in this school because I'm black. Now I come to this next school. I'm accepted because I'm black, but only because I'm black. Then I go to high school and it's like, yeah, you're black, but you're just too light of a black. So we're still going to bother you. And I'm like, what Like, do I even have a chance in hell right now? You know, it's it's crazy. Like, it's so crazy when you think of all of these things. And shade is a huge thing. And I find even within your own community, the shadism is so real because, you know, my sister and we are same mom, same dad. And same, she'd bring her friends home and they're like, yo, who's this white lady? And she's like, it's my mom. And they're like, whoa, you're black. Okay, so where'd your sister come from? And she's like, my mom and my dad. And to this day, it's like, oh, my God, but you guys look nothing alike. But do we not look nothing alike? Or is it because of our skin tone? Because it's always like, oh, no, you're from the milkman, Pam. But like, literally, if you look at our features and take away color and stuff, we have some of the same features but she just took some from my mom i took some from my dad and that's the beauty i think of mixing any sort of race like you you don't know what's going to pop out but just because of a couple shades different all of a sudden she is a black woman and i'm just something somewhere but i have privilege because i'm light skinned so it's it's so messy like it's so messy and even myself raising kids who are I don't even know what to call them. Are they biracial? Because they've got now, what, like a quarter (laughs) of white? But since Black Lives Matter, my daughter has only known beige, pink, yellow, brown, dark brown, and now she talks to me about black and white and she asks, what side do I pick? Because it's like, what am I, mom? And I'm like, you just make a side. And if someone's being an idiot, they're just being an idiot and that's it. Whether it's from white or black side, If someone's being an idiot, you stand up because you are everything, but you cannot allow people to treat you a certain way because you're black or you have a black doubt or whatever, but being biracial, it's almost like sometimes I have to really prove to people of my blackness and that's, that's hard in itself.
3: So, yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, I got a lot of that feedback, Mm -hmm. um, that, yeah, like a lot of a lot of it has to do with like phenotype, like with the way that you look and mm-hmm. then people other people were choosing for you.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
4: as opposed to you being able to like self-identify as like, no, I'm black. Like um, yeah. so the way that I've been raising Kensington is I've just been, you know telling her so she knows that her skin is brown that's the way she like that's the way she looks at it. and she's like uh, she says that I'm brown skin and I and I tell her like we're black and that's how like you know we we identify and she knows that m- mom and and her have brown skin and she says that daddy has light skin that's how she identifies um she identifies him And she knows that she, her skin color is different than most of the kids in her class. I think that there's one other black girl in her class. Um, So I, you know, just make a point to make sure that she knows that like the people that are black are part of like her community, um, but that she should be friends with and, you know and kind to everybody. Um, But um, that she has a particular connection to, you know the other, the people that are, have brown skin um, because we, you know, probably have a lot of similarities and share some of the same culture. Uh shadism, that isn't something that we have addressed with her yet because I just don't, she hasn't, she's just not there yet. Yeah. Um, she hasn't experienced that yet. And I think that I know it's gonna definitely going to come. Um, and truthfully, I just I don't really know how I am going to address that with her. Um I, but I just want to make sure that, like, I am make sure that she knows, you know, that one shade isn't better than the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another thing that I think that really um, has an impact on her is that um, all of her family members literally are all across the spectrum of shades. Mm-hmm. So there is me who I would say I'm like just, you know, brown skin, black girl. Um, my sister who is like a lot darker than I am. Um, and we also got the same thing where people, you know, were like, are you guys sisters? And it was like, yeah, like we literally almost look identical, but she's just darker skin than mm-hmm.
2: I am. Do you, is um, it more the, the white community or the black community that's asking these questions? I'm just curious.
4: I would say it's the white community that has a charge, more of a challenge with seeing past the skin tone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Black community, they're able to tell that, like, you know, we're, yeah. super, we're able to see past that for sure. Yeah. Um, and um, so, yeah, like, literally all the people in her li- lives, all all the people in our lives are every single shade, like, every shade. So her uncle and Swanee is, like, you know, very, very, you know, dark, dark skin, and he is married to her, you know, Auntie Erin, who Auntie Erin is, is biracial. And then their kids are, like, you know, you know, darker skin than I am, but, you know, maybe lighter, lighter than the darker shade. So she sees, like, Black people in all, like, in every single shade. And whenever she, you know, points that out, I'm always just like, I, the, the first thing that I say is, yeah, I know. And is, isn't their skin so beautiful? And, and you know, we listen to songs like Brown Skin Girl. She did, she actually voluntarily for show and share um, brought a microphone and saying brown skin girl to like the kids in her class so but I just don't know like I, I really don't know how I'm going to handle that or like what I'm going to say I just want to make sure she knows that um, her skin is beautiful all shades are beautiful every mm-hmm. single shade is beautiful and um And I might need to come up with some, like, prepared, like, comebacks for her for, like, some of the stuff people are going to say. um, Just so that she is uh, prepared. So, um, but, yeah, I haven't got there yet. And that is actually part of the reason why um, I, you know, asked my community. Because I was just, like, I literally don't know what the right answer is. I don't want her... I don't want her ever thinking that she's less than, I also want to avoid her trying, like feeling like she has to only hang out with black people or, Mm -hmm. and I also don't want her to do anything that makes her feel like, anything negative about her dad's side and her Mm -hmm. dad her dad's side of the family she's her and her dad are super close um her dad's side of the family she's also very like super close we are all very super close with his side of the family as well so um it's yeah it's, it's a challenge like I really to be perfectly honest with you like I would love to just you know ask you guys one thing I have learned is you know Not talking about it is not the right way to go about it. So we definitely talk about it. So that's something that we've always done. Um, But apart from talking about it, um, I'm just not really sure. Like, what is what's the playbook here?
1: I also um, another thing that I noticed that happens a lot, too. And my sister and myself have many conversations about this is the extracurricular or like with school. So I know my sister right now is transitioning from downtown to more of a suburban life. And every conversation has to do with race. And it's like in the beginning, more people were like, well, no, you need to have them. Cause like even my daughter, she went to a school that it was like me. She was like stuck out like a sore thumb. My husband was like, I ain't doing drop off today. I don't want to be the token black dad at drop off. Like you go. And literally, I would be like, OK, but what's the problem? So then it became this thing where like, mm, I want to send them to this sports camp. But like, OK, how many black kids are there? Or I want to send them here. And then that in itself becomes stressful because my daughter obviously hears these conversations. She's a sponge. And the other day I put her in a choir, Kingsway Music Choir, and it's in an area that's predominantly white. And she says, she pauses choir and she says, mom, I'm the only black kid here. And one, this is like big to me because in the last few months is when she actually now starts identifying, saying she's black. And two, I said to her, "Okay, so how do you feel about that? And she just said, I don't know. It's weird. And I said, well, why is it weird? She goes, well, like, I don't know, because I look different. I said, well, that's great. It's beautiful. Like you brought some like spice and a little kick to the group. Great. Now keep singing. So I kind of feel like my approach has just been like you educate, say what you have to say, and keep it moving. Like we don't need to make this a big deal. We don't need to like, you know, we support our community just like we would support any, just like you say, you know, there's your husband's side. And and some like my mom sometimes will be like, okay, but like, I know like you guys identify as black, but like, what about me? I'm your mom. So do I not have any part in this now? And then you have to think there too, like, well, yeah, of course. Like I'm also white, but this is just society's view of what we are. But Mm -hmm. I am also very Canadian. Like I am very, very Canadian, but then I can switch and be very West Indian. And I think that's beautiful. I can turn it on. Like you could see me in the car and you don't know if I'm blasting country or Aerosmith or if I've got like, Movado on blast like the cultures just kick in from one to another and I think that's where we can tell our kids like this is amazing you are a bit of everything and especially living in Toronto like there's a bit of everything here and that's the beauty and if somebody doesn't think that you're cool because of one of those things then they just don't get to have any part of you and that's it and if you want to educate them fine and if not keep it moving but I think when we push it too much down their throat, it also becomes something else where they can start overthinking. Right. Because I kind of look at it as, I don't know, um, one girl who has big boobs and one who has small, you can still think the same way, right? Like, oh, wow. Well, mama, well, how come I don't fit in? Well, I feel like everybody likes her more or they don't like me, but it's kind of the same, like you wouldn't really be like, OK, well, let's only hang with the small boob kids because you got small boobs. Right. So it's like, yes, you're black. Yes, you're also white. And there's a lot of love to be given in the world. And there's a lot of people who don't know how to show love. And for those, just keep it moving and just having it sprinkled into their life, but not so like extreme to the point where they start to question if one part
2: of them is wrong. If that makes sense, you know. What I mean? Well, I was gonna say, growing up, like, I have a couple different views on it. So, first of all, um, I sometimes, from what I see from my own family, um, just because, obviously, me and Pam's side is mixed. Like, it's a white family, but everyone's, like, you know, got mixed with different things. My dad's side is black, different variations. But it's almost like the the kids in my family who grew up biracial. Never thought about it. It was normal for them. Black, white, everything. It was so normal for them. It didn't become something for them to think about until the family started saying, well, nope, got to watch out for this. And this is happening. And this is an issue out there in the world. So it's almost like they were navigating perfectly fine. Until all these issues were getting implanted in their head at a young age. And then it just started growing and growing and growing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, where do you find that balance from like, yes, you want to give them the tools and let them know what's happening in the world. But like, do you want to instill off the cuff all the different challenges and stereotypes and stuff? Or do you wait till they naturally come across it throughout their life and then address it as it comes?
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, I I like the approach, Pam, that you said in terms of like with Madison and, you know, allowing them to kind of discover on their own and come to you, because I feel like when you kind of initially start out and start saying, OK, you know what, like we got to pull the elephant in the room and we have to say it's pink or you're black and this is what it is and this is how it's going to be. And da, 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 you know what I mean? It's like if you, you just have to let it happen organically. And I think. What's really amazing is, although we look at social media as a curse, because it can be a bit addictive, I've noticed throughout the years that it's really promoted, you know, diversity, it's promoted, you know, even the ad campaigns, Shine, I don't know, like with your agency, if you've noticed, a lot of the ad campaigns, if you notice, it's like it's like United Colors of Benetton, which was 20 years ago that people couldn't get, now it's here. And now everybody kind of gets it and it's the total norm. So it's like the the images and everything is now starting to be out there and it's starting to become normal. So it's like people are not really like, you know, how they would have behaved 10, 15 years ago in terms of your skin color and your shade. It's now we're seeing these Benetton ads plastered all over IG, like how do you you notice that, Shanae?
4: Yeah, I've definitely um, noticed that for sure. there's a lot of brands, like brands are very intentional about making sure that like there's size diversity, there is shade diversity, there is racial and ethnic diversity, um, you know, re- like LGBTQ plus um, uh, diversity. So brands are making sure that they are, um, you know representative of the world that we live in um, because they've realized very quickly that if you alienate a certain group, um, you like, that's a great, you're going to lose business and mm-hmm. you're just going to lose those people and they're going to go somewhere else. Um, but um, the impact that it's also having now on just children and how they perceive themselves, like my, like Kensington, she, the cartoons that she watches like, so many of them have like Black kids as like the main characters and Black families. And like, there are like, you know, the multiculturalism is like naturally like woven into the cultural fabric of every every aspect yeah. of um, children's lives. Mm-hmm. So I think that that, that is good and that's something that is different and makes a huge impact. Me growing up, again, growing up in Calgary and us being like, you know, one of the only Black kids in the school, like one of the only Black Kids, uh families in the neighborhood etc um my mom and dad always made sure that i knew that i was different and um and they and they knew that i think that what they did maybe like they did obviously talked about racism that was um a thing but more than anything they just were like, you know, make sure like if something bad happens, you don't want to like don't hang out with the bad kids because the one kid they're going to remember is the black kid because you stand out. They they wanted to make sure that I they knew that because I'm black, I'm going to stand out. And that can be for good and that can also be for bad. Mm-hmm. So um, in, you know, growing up and even in my adulthood, um, I just made sure that I would stand out because I was black but it would be for the right reasons. And mm-hmm. I think that in many ways that has like benefited me. I feel like it benefited me um, in the corporate world um, because I wasn't afraid to speak up. I wasn't afraid to put my hand up. I wasn't afraid to do things. And I felt like I did stand out more than my counterparts because of the color of my skin. Um, but then when it was time to like, you know, say something, it better, better like be something good. So, um, So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember um, two things. Well, funny one. I remember my dad said to my sister at one point when she was young and she remembers this, he said, you're going to have to work harder in life because you're a black woman. And I was like, you kind of said that a little bit better, dad, now as an adult, because that stuck with her. But at the same token, I think it did well because she's like, "Okay, well, I'll, I'll show you. But um, the other thing I was going to say is I remember in our conversations, I was telling you, I think being biracial also has a huge um, difference in the experience um, based on which parent is black. So I was telling you, when the mom is black, I feel like it's entirely different from when the dad is black because there's this stigma, right? Like, oh, white girl with black guy. And that has its own stigma versus When you see a Black woman with a white guy, it just has this like, aha, like, ooh, people see it and it's like, wow, like gap ad. I always hear that. Oh, wow, you guys look like you're (laughs) from a gap ad where it's like, I guess it's less common, but now it's becoming more common. And I feel like because moms do a lot of momming, when the mother is Black, there is way more education on stuff like that versus when the dad is Black, white mom the mom's just doing what she knows. Right. Like with my mom is like, okay, I'm doing your hair as, as best as I know. And I'm cooking as best as I know. And I'm doing this. Whereas like, yeah, when you're like the mom, who's a black woman, it's just a, a total different experience in my eyes uh, because I feel like the mom more educates you on who you are as a whole person.
4: Yeah. I, I would agree with that. 100%. Yeah. hundred percent. My, and you know, my best friend who is biracial, Um, Her mom's black and her dad's white. Mm -hmm. So um, and, um, you know, and one of my so one of my boyfriends in high school that we were together for like eight years, he was also biracial, but he didn't know his dad. His dad was white and Mm -hmm. his mom was black. So I feel like I. I didn't, had a lot of friends that were biracial, but then when you broke it down, it was like they were the people who I more identified more as Black or just had a larger, I guess, Black um, influence because, yeah, their, their, their mom was mm-hmm. the one that, you know, they do a lot of like the child rearing and the, yeah, um, yeah education, etc. Um, I mean, without generalizing, I definitely say that I, I've seen that, that trend as well. Yeah, um, for sure.
1: Yeah, I don't know what it is, but there's definitely a huge difference, like
3: huge. So yeah. So we're gonna, <laughs> so we're gonna like just about wrap it up. But mm-hmm. um, I wanted to know, like, we always like to do give like key points so that the listener can walk away with.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
3: like from Pam and Danielle, from your perspective, growing up biracial, what are some? key points or advice that you would give to a parent that's raising a biracial child and I guess vice versa for you as well Sinead. Do you want to start off Sinead?
4: Yeah so I would say um, definitely have the conversation um, with your child but also have it with um, your partner with your significant other um, and start having the conversation early, and um, and always um, come from a place of positivity. So mm-hmm. you have such beautiful brown skin. Oh, she has you know you know brown skin too. Isn't she so beautiful? You know we're black, and black is beautiful. Um, I think that that's something that's super. Oh shoot, sorry. Oh, today's Wednesday. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I'm late for a meeting. No. <laughs> a meeting. Right. Um uh yeah it's just coming from a place of positivity and beauty um and just just like and just just driving that message home Mm -hmm. um that's been my experience so far but again it's a learn i'm um it's, it's um it's a there's a learning curve i'm still learning and the other advice that i would give in terms of key points is um Ask your friends, ask your biracial friends. I mm-hmm. learned so much from that conversation, um, from all the messages that I got from people, things that I never even thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so happy that I had those conversations because of that. Yeah.
3: And I really, like, I really love that point because one of the things that I noticed that I guess I, I don't really like is I, I don't like when people will say, we don't want to teach our children about color, period. We don't want, to, we just want to teach them they're just human beings and they're just persons because then it yeah. makes me think, are you in denial of the struggle that people of color really do go through or is it just something you don't wish to acknowledge? Yeah. So I think it's really important to really identify that and teach your children that, but just do it in a way that's obviously age appropriate and nothing where we're like forcing it down your throat or everywhere you go, you always have to then look at color and look at shade. And, you know, we still have to have that healthy balance. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm not raising kids right now. Um, and I think my biracial experience was a bit different. Um, so I don't necessarily know I would have a concrete takeaway for someone. It's more um, like my skin is white. I don't know the experience of being a black woman. Right. And I always tell Denise and Pam, for me, it was more cultural. So I have a West Indian father, right? So for me, the biracial is a a biracial thing stemmed more from culture. I was made fun of growing up because my dad had an accent. I would bring curry goat to school for my lunches. (laughs) Um, Mine was more like a cultural thing. And my mom never had the conversation with me about being biracial and stuff because like Denise was saying my mom is from the school of we're all people and just stay away Mm -hmm. from the ignorant people and there's no color where my dad is like I am a strong West Indian man there is color but Mm -hmm. he was too he was like a very strict West Indian father didn't have conversations with me he left it up to my mom my mom's like I love everybody Mm -hmm. so I would say yeah have those conversations but I also think for biracial kids, nurture both sides of who they are. Let them know that you're a beautiful brown skinned child, but nurture the white side and nurture the black side and let them figure out who they want to be in the world and just be there for them when they have those hard questions. That's that's kind of what I would take away from it.
3: And,
1: Penn, yeah, and I, my, I, I think my takeaway is like a bit of both of yours. It's just talk to your children, just talk to them treat them and i i not even in just race like children are the same as us they're just in small bodies and in fact probably have way more thoughts than we do in a day and they're dealing with way more they just don't get affected as it as much yet by it as much yet so have the conversations and like you said tell them about everything about them you're so beautiful you're so kind You're so intelligent or mommy loves when you do this. Oh, your skin is so beautiful today, like shining or that glow, just like letting them know and building that confidence in them as a person, because when they're strong in their confidence, when that ignorant person comes and says something racial, they won't even care because they're so confident where I was not confident in who I was at all. Um, so I think, yeah, just having conversations and building them up as a human being. and that's it. Don't don't try to shy away just because they're young, you know, because they're in the world the same way that we are. It's just they don't have as much of a say because they're kids. But and there, I like, yeah.
2: Shanae, I think that's the number one. takeaway Sinead, when you were saying, um speaking positively so everyone's so focused on what are all the scary things i can tell my kid about how they're going to navigate the world being black why not tell them all the positive beautiful things Mm -hmm. and they can walk in that and maybe i'm not going to say that they're not going to see or experience the bad ugly things but you see the world differently when you have a positive mindset you Mm -hmm. you approach things differently right as whereas if you're coming from a place of like fear and anger your reaction to things will be different Ah! if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. And that's, that's one of the things I say, like when we were watching your page and stuff, like you just, you're just like a ray of sunshine, like the sunshine that's hitting you right now by that window, (laughs) you know? And if anybody else listening wants to see that beautiful Ray, you can check her out at Toronto Shea on Instagram. Again, she has Kensington gray. And beautiful thing about her that we also love is she is always there. She's not, um, she doesn't have a big ego brain growing because of all the things she's done. She is human. Just like all of us. We ask her a question. She replies, honestly, sometimes so quick. I'm like, Whoa, she is just very down to earth. So great. And we just love having conversation with her. Just like we're
2: having. She's a woman's woman.
1: Yeah. She (laughs) is a woman's woman. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Thank you so thank much. You. For thank you. Thank you so much.
2: Enjoy the rest of your day okay. You too.
1: Okay, and we'll see you online.
4: Yes, thank you for inspiring me to actually like get ready today. I, I did. No, that's fine. Lounging is also good too, but I yeah. Feel- I'm like, okay, I'm going to get some work done. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: And for everybody else listening, we will see you again next week on another episode of the Hot Seat, the Sheer Therapy Podcast. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.
3: Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Hot Seat, a sheer therapy podcast. We hope you enjoyed yourself and can't wait to be with you again next week. If you've taken anything away from this today, it's to live, love, forgive, have faith, and always have a glass of wine and your girls. We can't wait to be with you all again next week. See you soon.